Today is February 22nd, 2019. This is Perspective from Politics NC. I'm Kirk. I'm here in Carborough with Thomas Mills. How are you, Thomas? I'm all right. How you doing, Kirk? I am great, and there's been a, a big week in the news for North Carolina, so today is actually a good day to talk about the 9th Congressional District because yesterday I had a conversation with Wayne Goodwin prior to a bombshell that Mark Harris himself is calling for a new election. So could you walk us through the exciting events that have taken place in Raleigh this week? Oh, it was quite a week. Um, it really was a courtroom drama made for TV almost. Uh, I mean, after Mark Harris and the Republican Party denying either that there was fraud or that there were enough votes to warrant a new election, um, we started the week with testimony that clearly laid out a case of massive fraud, and it just got worse as the week went on. We started uh, with with uh, people who are, were actually collecting ballots, ballot harvesting, which laid out a, a, a devastating case against the guy, uh, da- McCray Dallas, who actually set up the scheme. Um, we followed and almost moved up the chain. Dallas refused to testify. So it went from the, the people on the ground who were doing the work, skipped Dallas, who, who was overseeing them, and went right to Andy Yates, the chief consultant for the Mark Harris campaign, who was in, it sounded like, almost daily contact with Dallas. And then at the same time, he's saying he's so shocked that uh, the at the testimony he had heard that week and that he had no idea that there was anything happening like that. And he just was appalled at what was uh, going on down in Bladen County and that he had never had any red flags. Nobody had warned him that there were any problems down there. And then I think it was Wednesday afternoon, Mark Harris's son, John, got on the stand. He was a surprise witness. Um, it, it, at the time, we thought that nobody knew he was going to show up. Turns out later that Mark Harris actually knew he was going to show up, but it, that day he denied he knew it. Mark Elias, the Democratic, uh, uh, or Dan McCready's attorney, um, did not know he was coming. And as his testimony unfolded, it made two things very clear. One, since 2017, before Dallas was ever held, uh, hired, back in, in March of 2017, John Harris was raising serious concerns with his father about what McCray Dallas did. He also talked to Andy Yates and, and raised flags there. He even sent the statute about what he thought McCray Dallas was doing wrong. Um so all these denials that anybody had said anything were just laid bare as lies. In fact, I, I was watching it on Twitter, and within seconds of it coming out that, that he had repeatedly warned his father, not, he didn't just say it verbally, he had emails to back it up, um, not, and not like one, like four emails that, that described what he was concerned about. Within minutes of that happening, uh, there's a clip of Mark Harris talking to Tim Boyum of Spectrum News saying, no one ever raised any red flags. And Boyum pushes him on it and says, no, you never heard anything. He said nothing, nobody, ever. So it, it, it just, 
made all of these people's credibility go down the tubes. And um, by the time Harris gets on the stand, Mark Harris gets on the stand himself yesterday morning, uh, there's devastating testimony against what he's been saying publicly for four months. He gets on the stand and immediately starts saying things that aren't true. His own attorney stopped the testimony. They went to lunch, and when they got back very quickly, Mark Harris said, I don't feel well. I had a stroke back in January. I'm having a hard time with my memory and, and, and with my testimony. Um, I need to stop. And uh, by the way, uh, I think we need to have a new election in, to, in, in CO9. And at that point, for all intents and purposes, it was over. There was a little bit of other questioning, but within, within an hour, the board voted unanimously for a new uh, election in, in uh, Bladen County. I mean, I mean, in the 9th Congressional District. Well, you touched on this at the beginning of that explanation, which I think laid out pretty well what happened. Um, there was a concerted effort ever since the election was not certified initially on behalf of Harris by the North Carolina Republican Party to raise Kane about this and say it was, you know, people were trying to steal this election. Really up until the minute that Mark Harris said there should be a new election, it was the opinion of the North Carolina Republican Party that this was some sort of stolen election. So I think you've written about it, but how do you see the reaction of the Republican Party in this state to this whole debacle. It was it was awful. I, I, I don't see how I don't see how Dallas Woodhouse or Robin Hayes has any credibility without with anybody other than the most hardest hardcore partisans. Um you know, the the fact that the fraud took place was, was obvious from early on. That's why the board didn't certify him. They had enough evidence to show that there was serious fraud down there. And then the journalists got in there and immediately started exposing what was going on. Within days of the non-certification, um, the, the, the case against them was pretty much laid bare. It almost turned out worse when they testified than it looked like it did back in, in uh, late November, early December. Um, but but the, the bigger thing is, is I, I saw something, I posted something today about it, and these Republicans saying Democrats would have done the same thing. You know something? Democrats didn't do the same thing. Back when Jim Black was brought down, it was a Democratic operative who brought Jim Black down. It was a guy who was a who was a professional political consultant who believed he was crooked, and he went after him, and he was supported by some of the most progressive groups in 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 the state. Uh, democracy, the the Democracy North Carolina was holding his uh, feet to the fire. And Democrats, pretty quickly, when they saw what was going on, initially they kind of rallied around him, he was Speaker of the House. But when they understood what was going on, they started backing off real fast. You didn't see anybody standing by Jim Black until the convictions came down. You know, they, by, by the time it was apparent that... that there was massive fraud, or 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 or, or a a massive fraud in in uh, buying a vote for speaker. He didn't have anybody around him anymore, and and you saw the same thing happen with 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 Meg Scott Phipps, um, and a lot of a lot of that was perpetrated. The 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 investigations were brought by 
uh, democratically appointed board of elections. It, it was not a it was not a partisan thing. It was it was Democrats holding Democrats accountable, and that's the difference. Republicans are not willing to hold their people accountable. They're willing to to to, to go to the mat to lie for them to protect them until the the evidence was incontrovertible. Uh, and it was it was I thought it was I thought it was a shameful display. Well, with his testimony, Mark Harris uh, making it sound like he wasn't, I guess, well enough or competent enough to continue testifying. Uh, since there's a new election, there will be a new primary. Do you think he'll run in that primary? I I have a hard time seeing him running in that primary. It, already this morning, uh, news feeds are filled with speculation about more prominent Republicans jumping in the race. I mean, the only reason they didn't before is because you had an incumbent, Robert Pittenger. Now that it's an open seat, you got a whole bunch of Republican legislators down there. And as, as one article I just read pointed out, they can run in a special election and not have to worry about losing their legislative seat. If they lose, they go back to being a legislature, run for re-election in 2020. So, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing Harris getting there. I mean, particularly when he says he's sick. Um, he's been exposed as, as basically a fraud. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a sad case of a guy who's clearly more ambitious than he is bright and, uh, willing, I mean, he's exactly what we don't need more of in Washington. People who are willing to compromise their morals and everything else for their ambition. Well, and that, that lays out something that I was thinking about last night because there was this dramatic trial or it looked like a trial, you know, with the state board and, and you had pictures of Harris crying and his son was testifying and everything. And it was all sort of dramatized. I know you wrote about it and, and called it sort of like a Greek tragedy type, you know, situation. My concern is, is that the fact that this has turned into a whole sort of emotional tale, these people might've committed crimes, probably did commit crimes. And I feel like there is a bit of a collective sigh among people that are like, oh, this is over, there'll be a new election, but do you think that there will be uh, more criminal investigations into this? And I, I have no doubt. There, people are going to go to jail. And uh, whether Mark Harris goes to jail, I don't know. Um, he, my guess is he, he'll either get charged or he'll talk. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a good chance that, that Andy Yates, the, the consultant, gets charged with perjury because he was under oath when he spoke to the state board. And um, either he lied or John Harris lied, and he had a whole lot more reason to lie than John Harris did. And and John Harris is a assistant U.S. attorney, I think. That's right, too. Exactly. So he, he would know better than any of us, really, um, how that goes. But I wonder if... Um, if we could move to a different topic, the president of the United States signed this emergency declaration um, for the border wall that we need so desperately. And one of the senators that's sort of on the bubble in 2020 is Tom Tillis. And I know he had been hesitant to support the president in that. And the Democratic led House is going to move forward because the, the House can introduce legislation to stop the uh, Emergency Act. It has to be passed by the Senate as well. So do you think that Tom Tillis will vote on the record against this emergency declaration? And, and then how do you see that playing into 2020 while he tries to sort of maybe move back toward the center? Um, I don't know. I don't know how he ends up uh, voting on that. I, I'll tell you this. It's not that big a political liability for him because I don't think he's going to have a primary. If he's if he gets primaried from a Republican, then it's a bigger deal. But 
at the end of the day, they're coming home. Republicans are coming home to Tom Tillis in a general election against any Democrat in 2020. And um, there aren't enough people in the middle for whom uh, the wall and immigration is a big enough uh story for for them them to worry about it i hope he does the right thing and and votes against the emergency declaration you know i mean the emergency declaration is problematic for a whole lot of reasons not the least of which you're turning something that should be used in cases of emergency into a simple political tool and that's bad 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 precedent so you know that's you know let's hope that he that that tom tillis shows a little bit more uh um, courage than, than the Republicans we just watched in the NCO9 de- debacle. Well, I, I do want to uh, return to the typical ending of these, which are talking about the presidential elections that are starting already. And the other day, Amy Klobuchar had a town hall, and she answered a question about free college, and she basically said, no, it shouldn't be free. Maybe, you know, community college, I think, like Obama started. But then contrast that with uh, I think last week Bernie Sanders officially announced his presidency. So I wonder your thoughts maybe just generally on Bernie Sanders running again and then how these sort of big ideas are going to be fought out in the Democratic Party where there there isn't necessarily uh, a unified opinion. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm not as concerned about the big ideas dividing the party as, as much as a lot of people are. Um, I'm more concerned about having so many people in this primary. Uh, I, you know, I don't think Bernie, I don't think Bernie Sanders gets the traction that he got in, in, uh, in, in, uh, 2016. For one thing, I think there are a bunch of alternatives to him. Um, another thing is I think he got, he got damaged probably in that he, you know, somebody compared him to Ron Paul, who, uh, I, I guess it was 2008 looked like he was such a great primary candidate and then ended up losing and then, when he tried to revamp in 2012, started off with a bang and fizzled real fast. I wouldn't be surprised if you see something similar. I think Bernie's got a little bit more hardcore backing than that. Than than that, but really, I don't think I don't think he gets uh he gets the traction that he that he wants. Um, as far as the big ideas playing out, you know, I'm not a guy who's for free everything, and I, and I think Democrats make a big mistake when they start saying that. I think there, there, there's some principles that we need to be standing by, and I do think that uh, we're going to end up with probably a, a more, a more pragmatic candidate than than um, an ideological candidate at at the end. I, I hope we do anyhow. But the the kind of principles I think see. Um, are, you know, we need to have debt-free college. People don't need to come out of school um, owing tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, all that's doing is, is sending money to banks uh, instead of putting it into, into other industries where, where people actually work. But, um, and then, you know, we need to have universal coverage. Now, whether that's Medicare for all or, or, or whatever, let, we can fight that out over the debate. Reminds me of the health care debate in, in 2007. I mean, everybody wonders about what, what happened to Obamacare. Well, in 2006 and 2008 elections, both of them, health care was the biggest single issue uh, concern of Americans. It was health care costs were going up. Access to care was getting more difficult. And they wanted something done about health care. 
the 2008 primary that went by the time it got between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, it was mostly about the details of a health care plan. The one that ended up coming out was kind of a smorgasbord, but I think the principles are what we're talking about. We're talking about people coming out of get, getting the skills they need to compete in a, in a 21st century economy without being strapped with, with tens of thousands of dollars of debt. They're getting the health care they need without going broke or having to declare bankruptcy in order, in order to, to, to save their lives or being denied health care altogether. I mean, those, those are the two big ones. I think, you know, uh, talking about a, a, a $15 minimum wage may end up part of it. I mean, I, I, my concern with a $15 minimum wage is $15 in, in New York City is not the same as $15 in rural North Carolina. So, but the principle is there. We, we need to be paying people more money. Um, we need to be providing health care to everybody. And you need to be able to uh, afford to get the skills you need to compete in a, in a modern economy. And I think those are the issues that Democrats are pushing that Republicans are not that really drive a wedge between Republicans and, and, the, and the general population. And I think we can get through a primary without ripping each other to part over the details of them. Okay, well, I think we'll leave it there, and I'm sure next week there will be plenty to talk about. I do want to make a departure from the traditional ending and, and ask anyone that is listening and in, who enjoys this, you can visit our website, politicsnc.com, where we post articles daily, and we have trackers of candidates and elections to keep up with. And also, wherever you choose to listen to this podcast, please leave us a review to let us know you enjoy what we do. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks a lot, Kirk. 